see you. It's fantastic to be here again this morning and to be continuing the series that Karis so brilliantly started off for us last week, based in the book of Genesis, which is called Patterns and Promises. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Steve, and I'm, it's my privilege to bring the second message in this series. So last week, Karis came and she kicked off talking about how she likes Ikea and, uh, and patterns. And uh, I, I, I'm not so evangelistic about Ikea and patterns, but I do like food. I know it's hard to tell, but I do like food. And I love, one of the things I love about food is how you can bring foods together and like that taste good on their own, and yet you bring them together and they taste just awesome, those kind of food combinations. You know, chicken tastes great, doesn't it? Bacon tastes great. But when you bring the two together, it like takes it to another level. So rather than having a visual on the background here about patterns like Karis did last week, we've got some epic food combinations there, like strawberries and cream, or uh, chips and ketchup and pancakes and uh, lemon and Is that Nutella and banana or something? Yeah. Peanut butter. You animal. What is that about? But but here are some things that some people think make good food combinations. And, And just there is something good, isn't it, where things come together well. You know, so many of... Uh, songs that are written, the kind of happy, upbeat songs are about things coming together. You know, the, the kind of, we're back together and we go together like rama lama lama ka-ding-a-ding-a-dong and other things like that. And generally, the sad songs are when things are separated and they're, they're brought apart, aren't they? I mean, it's fertile ground for country and or Western music, isn't it? Just like things that once we were together, now we're apart. Oh no, it's terrible. That kind of thing. But some things actually should be separated and should be pulled apart. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of love being English. And, uh, and, and I think uh, we, uh, you know, we have some amazing... Um, traits in England. You know, I, I like Russia. I've been to Russia um, a few years ago. Russia's a really interesting place. And there is this kind of famous thing, which you might have heard of, and it's often used as a metaphor for other things, Russian roulette. You know, Russian roulette, and the whole idea of Russian roulette is you, you have a gun, and you put a live bullet in one of the rounds, and you spin it, and then, you know, you've got a one in six chance of, you know, some serious harm, really. Well, in England, one of the things I love about England is we don't have that's such a dangerous thing. You know, we're not quite so dangerous as the Russians are. I'm not just talking about their driving, but just generally Russian roulette. And our equivalent of Russian roulette is revels. <laughs> yeah, I can see the fear that has been struck into some of you. And if you don't know, if you're uh, not familiar with uh, revels as a genre of chocolate sweet, within a bag of revels, you get all sorts of different flavors. It might be orange, it might be coffee, it might be chocolate, it might be toffee. Um, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's a bit like Russian roulette. So I wonder, should we uh, see if a few people are feeling, do you feel lucky? Do you? What are you going to get? 
So I don't think there's any peanut ones in here, but you know, I know there's definitely not any pyritin ones. So if you do have a nut allergy, you might want to kind of let them pass. Does anyone want to? Go on then, see what you get. Oh, what's it going to be? Orange. Oh, oh, you're happy with that? be? Don't know. Okay. <laughs> Alex clearly has a very sophisticated palette here. <laughs> Do you want to... Oh, what's it going to be? Maltese. Oh, it's a score that. I'll tell you what, I'll just let you pass them around if you, if you like, and maybe every now and then we'll hear a groan or somebody gets a coffee one. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it, if you could take that packet of Revels and just, you know, split them up and I'll just eat all the Maltesers and somebody can have the orange ones and someone else can have the coffee ones. Well, this morning we want to look at a passage of the Bible that talks about uh, the value of separating things and pulling things apart. And it seems like a strange topic because so often we think of that being a bad thing. But we're going to see from what we look at in the Bible that this is a pattern of God that actually features throughout the Bible. And we're going to read it from Genesis 1, the passage that Karis looked at last week, and she so brilliantly brought out this focus about our our thinking, particularly in it. And we're going to look at a slightly different focus. So the words are going to appear on the screen here. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 6 to 12, and then we'll skip forward and look at 20 to 25. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we skip ahead to verse 20. It says, and God said, back one. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is so full of life, 
for us. And this morning we pray, Lord, as we look at your word, as we hear it, as we think about it, Lord, we want to pray that you would speak to us, that you would take your word and speak it deep into our hearts and our thinking. It would pass through all the noise and activity of life. It would pass through all the distractions and it would, with pinpoint accuracy, get right to the center of who we are and speak to us in such a way that it brings forth conviction and faith and change. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, in these verses from Genesis 1, the account of God creating the earth, we read about God bringing separation, and that being something good. So, he talks about how he separates the water in the sky from the water on the ground. He creates sky and sea. He separates the sea from the land. And, uh, and then he goes on and he puts birds in the sky and fish in the sea and animals in the land. And we're going to look at that and just see those different stages in that. And we're also going to think about how that is reflected throughout the Bible and then consider what some of the implications of that might be for our lives. So I've got three very simple points. And the first one is that separation brings definition. Separation brings definition. So when God separated those elements that we read about in Genesis 1, it brought definition. He separated the water, and there was a difference between uh, the sky and the seas, and between the seas and the land. So when you separate things, it brings definition. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Doug uh, preached, and uh, as part of his message, he... um, he made on stage some coffee. Now, I, didn't, uh, I made this at home, but uh, it feels like coffee has been the theme of the past few weeks, so I had to mention coffee. And, uh, and Doug made a beautiful cup of coffee, and uh, you know, we could kind of get the aroma, and it was super exciting. And you know, some of us were like, oh, just the smell of coffee. I love coffee, by the way. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm you know, a heavy user of coffee, but I did get about a dozen bags of coffee for my birthday this year. And I haven't actually finished them yet, so that's good. Um, And then after he'd made this cup of coffee, Doug gave it to Paul Corelius. And and Paul Corelius then proceeded to put in that cup of coffee some milk. And, And just like you've heard there, there was an audible expression of, I don't think disgust is too strong a word to use. Now, I know some of you have milk in your coffee, and that's all right, but it was just the brazen way in which he did it on the stage. And the problem is, now that I've put that milk in that coffee, well, there's no way you can separate them, is there? There is just no definition. You can't see what is milk and what is coffee. It's all mixed together. If only we could separate those two things out again. If we could reverse it, then we would see this is the coffee and this is the milk. And now it's just a kind of brownie, mauvey kind of liquid. Separation brings definition. The second thing is that definition brings identity. So when God separated out those elements in Genesis chapter 1, 
then we could see, well, this is sky, this is the heavens, this is the sea, this is the land. Separation brings definition. Definition brings identity. That you, you, you know, if you want to identify a certain group of people, you need to separate them. I was walking past the Houses of Parliament a few days ago, and uh, there were so many demonstrators outside the Houses of Parliament, those who are pro-Brexit, those who are against Brexit, those who are like for this kind of Brexit and against this kind of Brexit, and it was just very complicated. And drivers, you know, often happens when you have people holding up banners, drivers kind of who maybe support them toot their horns to show their support. And so there was kind of, you know, typically white transit vans driving past, honking their horns in support. But it was impossible to tell who they were supporting because there were so many demonstrators there and they're all just stood next to it. People were honking their horns for, for no reason. It might, it might have just been there was someone in the road. But it, without that kind of separation, without saying this is this group and this is that group, it's unclear. It, do, do you understand what I mean? It's a bit like uh, the game Guess Who. Now, should we play live action Guess Who? That would be, that would be great. Uh, so... Um, is it a volunteer? Anybody? Nathan, well volunteered, thank you. <laughs> so, Nathan, I want you to think about, look around and pick somebody that you can see here. Okay? Yeah, yeah, you just need to pick one. I, I know, we're not choosing a life partner, you just need to pick someone for the, for the purposes of this game. Uh, you've got someone. Excellent. Okay, so let's play guess who then, shall we? So, are they male? Oh, actually, can you all stand up? This will, this will help, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Are they male? Yes, fantastic. If you're female, you can sit down. Do they have facial hair? Yes. So if you are clean-shaven, you may sit down. Um, are they... Bald. Ah, shame on them. Uh, if, you are, if you are bored, you can sit down. Um, are they wearing a hat? No, any, any hat wearers can uh, sit down. Are they wearing glasses? They're not wearing glasses. Glasses wearers can sit down. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, are they uh, white? In, yes. Okay. Non-Caucasian people, you can sit down. Oh, so what could we... Are they wearing a shirt, like a button-up shirt? Not wearing a button-up shirt. Do they have writing on their T-shirt? They do have writing on their T-shirt if you're not wearing... <laughs> oh, I still got someone there. Uh, are they wearing a jacket? They're not wearing a jacket. You can sit down. Is it Robert? Yes. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much. Separation brings definition. Definition brings identity. And then the third thing that comes from that is identity brings Blessing. Identity brings blessing. So when God had separated and when he had identified, then he, uh, he blessed. So he 
filled the sky with birds. He filled the sea with fish. He filled the land with animals and vegetation. And none of those things could happen if God hadn't first separated, defined, and identified. And this pattern is something that we see throughout the Bible. So here, you know, it's about creation and maybe some of the the kind of elements of creation. But actually, this pattern is something that we see throughout the Bible. So God's people, as we go on in the Old Testament, God identifies a group of people who are his people, the Israelites. And God calls them to be separate from the people around them. He calls them to be different, to be defined as his people. He gives them a name. He calls them Israel. And he blesses them. It's true in the New Testament as well. God, uh, Jesus calls his disciples. He says, leave your nets, leave all that fishing. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He calls them to be separate, to be something distinct and defined. He calls them to be fishers of men, and they are blessed by walking with Jesus and fulfilling that. It's a pattern that we see throughout the Bible. Actually, even, you know, we see it here at the beginning of creation, and it's something that we will see at the end of time as well. Jesus says when he returns, he will gather the people and he will separate them like a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. And there are very different outcomes for those two groups of people. And it is true for us as well. You know, so many of God's promises and the blessings that God wants to give to us follow this pattern. Now, there are some good things that come to all people. You know, the sun shines on the righteous and the wicked, that each and every person, you know, experience blessing from God in some way or other. But so many of the promises in the Bible are actually conditional. They are based on some uh, conditions being met. And so often it is about following God. It is about being separate to the people uh, who are not following God. It is about um, identifying with God. And that's the way that we experience blessings. So God says time and time again, if you do this, I will do this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and repent of their sins, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. If you are separate, if you uh, are distinct from the people around you, if you are identified as God's people, then I will bless you. And, and the frustrating thing for, for Israel, certainly, so often the reason they didn't experience the blessing of God is because they forgot this really important pattern and principle from right at the beginning of time. Israel so often got mingled with the people around them. They intermarried. They wanted to worship their idols. They wanted to be like them. That suddenly the distinction between those who followed God and those who didn't, the lines were blurred. And actually they lost their sense of being God's people and they lost the blessing of God as a result. So this idea about God calling people to be separate, to be distinct, to be identified with him, 
And that is the way in which they receive God's blessing and his best is really important. And there are a number of implications of this for us. And we could talk through quite a few things here, but let me just identify uh, a few things that really strike me about this. So I think the, the order in which things happen here is really important. So God brings this separation based on his criteria, based on what God says is important. So it is God who separates. Separation brings definition. Definition brings identity. Identity brings uh, blessing. And it is based on, uh, on God's choice. And so often in the Bible, one of the main, uh, the, the primary um, thing that separates one group of people from another is about their response to God, or in the New Testament, their response to Jesus. And this is really, really important for us because actually, certainly what, what I find when I talk to people is that they want to make the distinction between people who follow God and those who don't, between Christians and non-Christians, to be about something else. So they talk about, you know, Christians, oh, they're the people who, who believe this. They make it about um, sexuality. They make it about um, money. They make it about a whole range of other things. And what God says is, it's about whether you follow me and how you respond to me or not. And it's important that we appreciate that and we don't fall into the trap of making it about other things. So let me give you an example. For example, you could look at, um, so as Christians, you know, we really believe in marriage. We think marriage is so, so important. And it's the, uh, such a way in which God blesses us. And it's the, um, you know, God calls people together in marriage. And so you could look at something like the adoption statistics. And I haven't looked at the adoption statistics, so I don't know how I'm explaining this. You could look at it and say, oh, okay, well, um, 30% of couples adopting children aren't married. And it's tempting to think, oh, that's, you know, that's terrible, isn't it? Because we believe in marriage, and it would be really good, actually, if those children were being adopted into homes where people were married. And it's important that we don't forget, just because the other 70% are married doesn't mean that that's going to be a great home for them. doesn't mean that their parents are following God. doesn't mean that they understand how to bless and how to help their children. Does that make sense? So we're not making the definition about things that flow out of our relationship with God. It is about how we respond to God. And there's so many other areas in which we could do that. So it's really important that we appreciate the primary separation and definition that comes about people in the Bible is about our response to God and certainly our response to Jesus in the New Testament. The other thing that strikes me is the order in which things happen. So God brings this separation, he brings this distinction, and our identity flows out of that. And we live in a a culture where Actually, so many people look to get their identity in other things or self-define, this is who I am, and then separate themselves based on that identity. So they make it about their lifestyle or about their gender or about their ethnicity or all sorts of other things which are not unimportant. But that, for us, is not the primary thing uh, that features in our identity or how we identify ourselves. It is about our response to God or not. Does that make sense? So we're not free just to choose our identity and then kind of define ourselves and separate ourselves about that. It comes from God. There is a a town on the Yorkshire 
Lancashire border called uh, Earby. And uh, up until 1974 and the local government reorganization, with which I'm sure we're all familiar, Earby was part of Yorkshire. And then, in 1974, the boundary changed and it became part of Lancashire. And you know what? There are still people, this is over 45 years ago, there are still people who refuse to accept it. They, they self-identify with being Yorkshire because of these historical reasons. There are men who insist their wives travel into Yorkshire to give birth to their children because no child of mine is going to be born in Lancashire. And there's just... They, they kind of deny you know, the reality of where the boundary lines have fallen. It's really important that we appreciate, actually, you know what, when you give your life to Jesus, when you choose to follow God, things change that maybe in the past we identified with um, my gender or I identified with my career or with my class or where I'm from. And all of that changes when we choose to follow God because he says the separation is about our response to him, is whether we trust in Jesus or not. That's where the separation comes. And so it follows that pattern rather than the other way around. The other thing that I think is um, really important that we appreciate in this is, I suppose, about understanding the, the challenge this can be in our relationships. So it's difficult, isn't it, being different? It's difficult feeling um, separated from people. And so I think it's quite easy to, I don't know, play down the things that make us different in order to connect with other people. Maybe in our workplaces or in the places we study, or maybe even with our, our kind of family and our friends, that there is a a temptation sometimes, I think, to play down what makes us distinctive as followers of God, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, because we want to connect. Does that make sense? And, and, and it can be true the other way, that, that maybe actually when there are people who are around us who are not following God, that actually maybe we, because we're nice people and we want to connect with people and we don't want them to feel separate and isolated, that we kind of play down some of our distinctives so that we can, you know, connect. And I think it's really important that we appreciate to be separate, to be distinct, and to have our identity as followers of God doesn't stop us having relationships with other people, doesn't stop us connecting with people who don't follow God. It just says, you know what, we're not the same. You know, we, <laughs> we love you, and we've got a lot in common, but fundamental to our identity is the fact that I follow Jesus, that I have accepted him as uh, my Lord, I've put him in the driving seat of my life. And so it's really important that we appreciate that we don't have to play down those things, the things that make us distinct, our values, our virtues, our confidence for the sake of, of feeling awkward about being different. Actually, we can relate to people. We can connect with people. We can be a blessing. This is not about us living in hermitages or separating ourselves from the world, but it's about us being absolutely clear. This is who we are and being confident in that. And that's a real asset and not something to play down. So this pattern of separation brings definition. Definition brings identity. 
identity brings blessing. It's one we see throughout the Bible, and it's one that is at work in our lives today. I wonder whether we can pray and respond to this this morning. And I think it's really important that we understand this sense of blessing. Because you know what, this is not a message about, um, you know, you, you, you shouldn't go to those places or you shouldn't do those things that the other people do. It's a message that says, you know what, God's will, God's heart, God's passion for you, the Bible says is good and it is pleasing and it is perfect. The call of God on our lives is the very best. Now, we cannot get better. That God's heart for us is to be a blessed people, is to know and to experience his goodness in our lives, to, to enjoy the grace that comes from that, but to appreciate that actually, unless we understand that God has made us to be separate, to be distinct, to have our identity in him, then we miss that blessing. The book of Jonah has one of the most profound uh, verses, I think, in the Bible. It says that those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. God has got grace for us, goodness for us, blessing for us. And the people of Israel, they, they pursued the idols of the land around them. They said, we want to be like the people around us. And God said, well, okay. And they missed out on all his blessing. And for us, there are all sorts of temptations to do likewise, to pursue the things maybe that we used to pursue, to, to kind of identify with the people around us. And God calls us to identify with him. I wonder whether I can ask us to stand just to help posture us in responding to God. I'm going to pray, to pray in response to this message. Just wait on God and see if there's anything he wants to say to us further or ways in which he wants us to respond to him further. So, Father, I want to thank you, Lord that you have a great heart and a great call for us. Lord, I want to thank you that you have rescued us from sin, the consequences of sin, the pull of death, that you are our rescuer and that your heart desire is to bless us, Lord. I want to thank you, God, that we can have our identity in you, not in the things that have happened to us, not in the things that we have done, not in the words that people have spoken over our lives, but in you, in who you are and what you have done for us. That is the source of our identity. And Lord, I want to pray for us here this morning. I want to pray for for those of us who are tempted to get our identity elsewhere, who are tempted to to bring it based on some other separation, whether it's that we've succeeded where others have failed, whether it's that uh, we have accomplished this where others haven't, whether it's about, you know, that we are different to this group of people for this reason. Lord, I want to pray that you, right here, right now, Lord God, that you rewire 
our thinking to understand that our identity flows from you and who we are in you. Lord God, would you refuse the synapses of our thinking to appreciate that? And Lord, I want to pray for your forgiveness where we have been tempted to blur the lines, Lord God, that where we have been tempted to play down the the things that make us distinct, to play down your values, to play down the, the things that make us special and that bring the blessing of God, and as a result, miss out on on all the good things that you want to give to us. Lord, I want to pray that you would forgive us. Lord, I want to pray for a supernatural confidence for each and every one of us here this morning. Lord, to to be so confident in who you are and who we are. I pray that we would feel no need to pretend to be something that we are not. That we would feel no need to blur the lines between what is right and true and what is not, between what is righteous and what is wrong. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have such a supernatural confidence that comes from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, and I just want to pray that there would be no um, misunderstanding of what we're talking about this morning. Lord, I want to pray that you help us to understand that we can be distinct, but also just the best friends, the best members of family to those who are different, Lord God, to those who don't yet know you, that we can be such a blessing, not because we are the same, but because we are different, because we have different experiences, because we have a different hope and a different message. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to stand tall in that call, in that message, in that truth. Lord, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow, it's a great word. It's a word for our generation. You know, it's so powerful really to know and